my secret. I see pod people all the time. I see them walking around like normal people. They don't even know that they're on a podcast. And that's America's twistiest podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. Status? Divorced. Do you need a cough drop? (laughs) (laughs) Now that you mention it. I'm Ben Sheets, and I'm thankfully much less plump and round than Haley Joel Osment is nowadays. Oh, I wish I was. Cheat shot. (laughs) Well, hi there. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I was Bruce Willis the whole time. And we are very excited to be joined by uh, returning guest Hannah Becker, uh, joined us for our Get Out episode over two years ago at this point. Welcome back, Hannah. It is awesome to be back. You guys know I love pod people, and I love The Sixth Sense, so I'm excited for this. Yes, well, as you mentioned, we are talking about The Sixth Sense. This was Hannah's choice. Uh, Of course, the feature-length debut of M. Night Shyamalan, uh, (laughs) starring Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, Tony Collette, Olivia Williams, and a very small role from Donnie Wahlberg. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about a little boy who sees dead people and a a creepy psychiatrist who's trying to help him not see dead people. Uh, And this is our fourth or fifth foray into the Shyamalan universe. Fourth. Fourth, Unbreakable, Split in Glass. Oh, yeah. Before That's right. this. Mm. So we've mostly just covered his good stuff. His good stuff and glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that episode for me in my angriest. Well, Hannah, this was your choice. You wanted to talk about The Sixth Sense. So why don't you tell us a little bit some of your thoughts on uh, M. Night Shyamalan in general and his illustrious career before we start talking about the movie. All right, I will. So he, I'm trying to think, what did he do? He did something before The Sixth Sense, didn't he? No, he did a really unknown movie, but I don't think anyone really watched it. This was his real breakout movie. Oh, wow. If he did do something before The Sixth Sense, I had never heard of that. I I wrote it down. I did. It was the year before in 98. He did a movie called Wide Awake. I don't think it was a horror, though. I think The Sixth Sense was his uh, was his first horror film. Yeah, yeah, and it was definitely his breakout success. It's was, yeah, it's you know? certainly <laughs> what made him famous. I was looking at IMDb, you know, before this. I, I did not know that before I looked that up, but I have always loved him. I really liked him when I was younger because of Bruce Willis being in his films. I've always been a huge Bruce Willis fan. So with Big Unbreakable Bruce. Six Sense being, in my opinion, probably his two best. Um, uh, I think Bruce. most of us would agree on that, yeah. I know Signs gets such a bad rap, but I enjoy it. I think like, <laughs> I think it's phenomenal film or anything, but I think it's entertaining to watch. I think, uh, I don't know, the whole Mel Gibson-Joaquin-Phoenix uh, combo I think is great. I think it's super entertaining. I'll, uh, um, I'll give you my thoughts on that after I have a sip <laughs> of water. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen everything else. Like, you know, I saw The Village. I saw... Um, the happening. Oh yes, the Ooh, happening. yes. <laughs> I will always watch a Shyamalan. Shyamalan. How do you actually pronounce it? Shyamalan, I think. Okay, that's, I, well, you're saying it differently, right? <laughs> <Okay>. I don't know. <laughs> I'm mostly making fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, yeah, I don't know. I I remember him being 
like a bigger deal because when I was a kid, I don't think I realized that The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable were his first films. I was like, oh, these are so good and everyone knows who he is. So I thought he was like a more of an established director when I was younger. And then I kept seeing his movies and I was like, these are all not that good. I was like, I really thought that he was better than this. Um, I kind of had the same experience with Tim Burton. I think Tim Burton had some some more more better films. Uh, Shyamalan did, but I also feel like he took a decline. Um, Older, I kept seeing his movies, and I'm like, why are these not as good as I want them to be? It's almost I, like when directors hit like a certain level of success, and they, they're fully surrounded by yes men, their work deteriorates. Funny well, thing, right. that through if complacency, they, if they get yeah. more budget, you know, I think one of the things that works best about the Sixth Sense, which we can get into a little bit more, I think it works because of the low budget. I think because of all of the budgetary constraints, it really forces some focus into the movie. And it doesn't have kind of the self-assured cockiness of some of M. Night's well, later uh, stuff. I'd, I'd like to think, too, that his sense of self also, like, his his ego is much smaller, like, at the start of his career, like many of those directors as well. And he probably actually consulted more people and got more feedback before just assuming his ideas were genius. That's a take from me. I would yeah, imagine. I definitely think The Sixth Sense is his least pretentious yes. film. Um, Hannah, what did you think of, like, Split and Glass? Did you see those ones? Yeah, I did. I liked Split more than I liked Glass. I yeah. thought Split was actually I thought Split was actually the best film he's done in a while. I um, agree. Since Unbreakable, probably. Yeah, Lady in the Water. Nah. nah. The Last Airbender. <laughs> After yeah. Earth. Yikes. <laughs> and let's not forget his true magnum opus, Stuart Little. Oh Wait, my did God. He Stuart Little? He didn't direct it, but he did write the script for Stuart <laughs> Little. <laughs> I didn't know that. Or I guess adapted because it was already a, a children's novel. Yeah, he wrote a film script. Yeah. Of, uh, the script for the film. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining crazy twists you can put into Stuart Little. Oh now, I saw Stuart Little when I was a child. He was an actual I, child the whole time. But I don't remember. I don't remember it well enough. But I think that's something that people tend to overlook about M. Night is that he did write Stuart Little. <laughs> Yeah, I do think a lot of people overlook that. I don't know if it's a, uh, I don't know if it his reputation too much though. How did you guys feel about the visit? Uh, I never saw it. I thought it was good. I don't think it's as good as Split, but it was a step in the right direction, especially after like Avatar and Lady in the Water and the Happening. What's the what's the one in the elevator? Devil time. What's he that produced one called? That. Devil. Yeah, he produced Devil. that but didn't direct it. That's also a shitty movie. <laughs> I remember watching that. I think I must have been like eighteen years old. Oh god. Mm. Yeah, I went and saw it in theaters when Ooh. I was like seventeen, and I thought it's it like was. I thought it was awesome. Oh, no. <laughs> it's no, I Ben and I watched it in college uh, and it was fucking terrible. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, I liked it when I was a kid. And then I looked at when it came out and I was like, oh, my God, I was this. Only, this movie only came out like three years ago. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's like me, like riding off Twin Peaks. Like, like when I started when I was 18. Like, um, yikes. Which since last episode, I did start Twin Peaks and am loving it. So for, yes, for our, our regular viewers, it's a. Uh, yeah, we covered I've learned. A, we covered a racer head on our last episode, Hannah. So we've been in. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, Lynch brain. I for a class in, in college. I love. Oh God, I loved taking film classes in college. Yeah, I. Uh, that's what Ben and I did for all of our college. It yep. was only film classes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because why fucking go listen to a boring lecture when you can go to class and watch a movie, am I right? No. And, look, and look at how far it's gotten us. <laughs> oh. oh, it's awesome. I think it's awesome. So, yeah, uh, I, I definitely, like I said, I think The Sixth Sense is Shyamalan's least pretentious film, but I think that the success of this movie kind of ruined his career in a lot of ways. I'd, I'd also think that the success of the film kind of hampers the film, too. But in, we, we can get onto that once we get into the plot and our, yeah. our various takes. Well, I think everybody, even if they haven't seen The Sixth Sense, knows the twist, and I think that it's hard to talk about the movie critically. It, yeah. Spoiler alert for our one somehow, listener. <laughs> stay pure, you sweet summer child. Go watch the movie, and, and then add us on Twitter, because I want to know how you feel about it. Yeah, I know, um, imagine here for the first time at this age. Like, I can't even imagine, because I watched it when I was, like, four. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder what it would be like as an adult to have that twist. It's I'm so sure good. there's, like, Me a too. good set of, like, Gen Z kids that haven't had the twist spoiled for them that's actually a really good point mm-hmm. you're probably right they don't know anything those kids yeah when you uh, shout go, out to our gen z listeners when you go back to I, teaching I, hannah I you should, should ask your students no i so i'll this is like this the reason i'm saying that is because i would ask my students all the time because i'm constantly making allusions right like references to pop culture and they never understood anything to the point where these are my three best examples their favorite show is friends they all watch friends they only know stuff about friends Which i showed weird. them a picture i showed i know i was like i thought I, it's really not weird from their era at all like that's right, uh, that's firmly our era yeah, I don't know if it's just because it's on, like, Netflix or it was or wh- whatever, but I showed them a picture of Jennifer Aniston, and none of them knew who she was. Whoa, and I was like, whoa. don't you all watch Friends? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking Rachel. Like, what are you doing? I showed them a picture of Adam Sandler, and I was like, that's Adam Sandler. Not a single person in the entire class recognized who he was. Well, like, that's probably I, for the best. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't it's fine. Unless they're like, wow, Uncut Gems is great. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it's like shocking. Like I'll make Ferris Bueller references, and they're like, "I have no idea what that means." I'm like, "What the f-? like?" They don't know shit about shit when it comes to references. It's shocking, and I mean that in the most loving way. I love those kids, but I'm like, "Holy shit!" Well, in that case, it may be very possible that there are some young ones out there who don't <laughs> know the twist of the sixth sense. But I think that uh, most people probably do because it's maybe like. Maybe the most famous film twist of all time. I won't say best, but probably the most famous. Yeah, like Likely most talked about. I think when people th- think about like a movie with a twist, the first thing that probably like, pops into their head is Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. Yeah, I mean, Shyamalan built his entire career off of like, Well, that's, that's, why I'm, that's why I think mm-hmm. that The Sixth Sense kind of hurt his Well, I think especially the one-two punch of Unbreakable afterwards right. with the twist really pigeonholed him into the the twist guy you know it's like it's gotten to the point where it's like he cannot make a movie without a twist because that's like his signature flourish and i i thought it was hilarious in the sixth sense i 
had not remembered this, but at one point when he's fucking telling the story to Haley Joel Osment in the hospital about like why he's sad, he says, you're not a very good storyteller. You got to add some twists and stuff. I made a note of that. And I think that that like perfectly, I I think that that was Shyamalan self-inserting. And I think he might think that a story that doesn't have a twist is not a good story. Sam, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it's it's a good call it's funny too like looking at that scene without context of the rest of his career it it, it comes across as like a very self-aware line <laughs> right <laughs> like right. It, it seems like good writing it's like oh yeah a writer knows it's more than that and that's that's why it's funny for her to say that but like looking at the rest of Shyamalan's career you know like, you, you think that maybe that wasn't like ironic Right, right. That's ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I think that that is a subconscious thing that he put in there. It's like, yeah, if you're making a movie, if you're telling a story, you got to put some twists in, man. But uh, and it's I funny because th- the movie's good because there's a twist. <laughs> Let's start from the the beginning. So the film, of course, begins with uh, Bruce Willis and his wife talking about this fancy award for good psychology that he's received from the mayor of Philadelphia. Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad you presented it like that. (laughs) And then that thing that we all hate so much happened when he was trying to go upstairs and bang his hot wife. And then Donnie Wahlberg broke into his house and took off all of his clothes. (laughs) And then... A starved, scared Donnie Wahlberg. Very wet Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> Slippery. Did anybody, I made a note of this, did anybody else catch Donnie Wahlberg's nipple ring? No. <laughs> Miss that Easter egg. Because I had never caught it before, but I saw it this time. I've, I've noticed that part before, and I always thought that was awesome. It's weird, okay, yeah. Two seconds on his wife, Anna, right? Are they married or are they engaged? They're married. Because remember, okay, so, she's throughout the movie. She's watching their wedding tape. Oh right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. I can't stand their relationship. That's like one of the problems I have with this movie is that they they've got a very um, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, and Armageddon feel to me, where it's like it's you know with the fucking animal cracker scene, like it just is Ooh, really yeah. crazy. And like even when when she's like selling the ring later on, like her the way that she taught, I just it's she's super fucking cringy to me, and that's one of my biggest issues with the movie. Well, I think that's a good point, and I can't remember if I brought this up when we talked about the other Shyamalan movies we've covered, but I don't think Shyamalan's a very good dialogue writer. I think think he's got a decent grasp of, like, plot structure, at least well enough to, like, throw in a twist, you know? Uh, And and there are plenty of things that I do like about The Sixth Sense. Like, overall, I do still like this movie quite a bit. But I I agree with you. There's something, like, super unnatural and weird about the way they talk to each other. And I think that that's true for, like, a lot of the characters in his movies. He's like, a very accessible writer. His stuff is, yeah, like, it's it's largely expository. Or, yeah. or like, it, it's very clear what purpose it's trying to serve when it's said, you know, getting a key from the, the mayor to show that Bruce Willis is a good person before they kill him off at the beginning. It's like, what psychiatrist gets a key to the city? Like, what? No, it's a, it's a plaque that says, good job, you're a good child psychologist. Yeah, yeah and it calls him, like, a, a child of Philadelphia. The, yeah, Philadelphia. Delphia's son. Yeah, and which I think, once again, I think that's a self-insert because uh, Shyamalan is uh, famously from Philadelphia and has set almost all of his movies in Philad- in or around Philadelphia. So I think that that was him kind of like 
awarding himself something like i'm <laughs> philadelphia's most favored son look at oh, me look at this award with the big shiny uh the shiny frame well and because a lot of that scene is shot of bruce willis like his reflection in the plaque right so the reflection okay. is like a mirror so it's like you know it shows whatever it shows whoever is looking into it so it's it's Shyamalan con- congratulating himself for being such a good filmmaker oh god i hate that (laughs) (laughs) but yes uh after he is shot it jumps forward uh some time several months yeah it says the the next fall and we see him uh stalking young Haley joel osment uh looking through his uh his binder of patient notes i don't know why this stood out to me so much but when he flips to like cole's page i just saw at the top parental status divorced in huge letters (laughs) which is weird it's weird because like he talks about his dad like he's dead No, I was just going to bring that up. The whole dad thing is weird, especially because in the beginning of the movie, it seems more a lot more important than it ends up being. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they keep bringing up the dad. He's divorced. Like, oh, my God. He's like, your dad gave you that watch. And he's like, no, he just forgot it. And it's like, what the fuck? Did, and dad has nothing to do with anything. I should have just left him out. He wears his dad's glasses with the lenses popped out. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Bruce Willis is kind of supposed to be the dad figure. Right, the sur- the surrogate the surrogate ghost dad. Yeah, I think if we saw the the dad then we'd we'd bring Bruce Willis's role more into question because yeah, we're we're supposed to think that he's dating the mom and that he's being weird maybe. I think I don't really know. I, I was hard to watch this movie without without the context of the twist going into it. <laughs> it was very difficult for me and which I do think is is kind of a weakness of the film is that like once you know the twist some of the inconsistencies start to like peek through a little I bit. I don't even think it's kind of a weakness. I think it's it's kind of the crux of the entire film being good. Hannah, you looked like you had a thought on that. That's something that I wanted to ask you guys is what you think of its rewatchability. Like, do you think that it sucks if you know that Bruce Willis is a ghost the whole time? So this is my I first just... viewing of it. And oh, really? yeah, because like one of the first Shyamalan films I actually watched was the Avatar movie. So I've been pretty turned off to him as a director for like <laughs> since since I've been aware of him. He's got more bads um, than goods. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, again, see my see the glass episode. But yeah, I, I went into this one uh, hopeful because I've I've I've, only, I've still heard great things about it. And it's it's still considered to be one of his best movies and, and whatever else. So I, I didn't go in cynically about it, but. I just I tried the whole time to just just to appreciate it as a film without knowing the twist, knowing the twist. And there wasn't a whole lot for me. I, I was pretty underwhelmed, honestly, like like trying to trying to watch the film. There there are some very some nice little nods and such. But if you know it beforehand, it really it really impacts the viewing of the film. So here's my defense of of the sixth sense, because I think that in a lot of ways, knowing the twist ahead of time hurts the story. I don't think the plot itself is actually that strong, you know, once the the twist that's propping it up has been knocked out. Mm -hmm. Where I think The Sixth Sense shines is uh, in some of its performances and some of the, like, specific scenes and character moments. Yeah, and in a lot of ways I feel like it oscillates between very amateurish 
bad filmmaking yeah. and kind of really brilliant like scenes with yeah. really excellent acting especially you know from bruce willis who while i think when put in the right role is awesome die hard's obviously one of my favorite movies he's an actor with very limited <laughs> range yes like he is only good if you have the right role for him and if you know how to work with him there's been so many movies where he's phoned it in and it has been not great. But Shyamalan knows how to work with Bruce Willis, and it really shows in this movie. He really shines, and there's a lot of moments with him and Haley Joel Osment. I think of the school moments. The hospital scene. Yeah, the yeah, hospital when he scene. Can't be a doctor anymore. That that scene is makes me sad. I think they both I think Bruce and Haley and Tony all do an awesome job yeah. in this movie. I think that Haley Joel Osment and Tony Collette, who I had forgotten was in this movie, I think that they are the acting powerhouses of this movie. I think, absolutely. Um, I will, before we get into the acting, because I think that's a good segue, I do want to extend that same question to you, Hannah. Like, how do you think The Sixth Sense works on rewatches? Obviously, it's a film you enjoy because you wanted to talk about it, but like, what what is your opinion on that? How does knowing the twists make or break it for you? You know, and I was thinking about that earlier today. I was trying to come up with an answer for this because I don't, I kind of struggle with it um, because I can't remember not knowing the end. You know what I mean? Like I watched this movie when I was probably very young in kindergarten. I think I probably started watching it. Um, No, it didn't come out yet. I must've been like seven or eight, but I think I saw it right when it came out. Um, And I, I mean, I still enjoy it. Like I, I think that knowing the end, you kind of, it, it changes the the viewing because I feel like the whole time you're kind of looking for clues. You know what I mean? Right. If you know that he's a ghost the whole time, you're like, what's a clue that he's a ghost? And it just kind of turns into that. So I, I think you do lose some of the romance for lack of a better term, I guess, to it. Cause it, it becomes more of like a game, but at the same time, I do think they, they do a pretty good job um, putting in little instances like that. So it makes it kind of fun to watch. I don't know. I, I like rewatching things. I rewatch, the whole series of Game of Thrones a handful of times. I rewatch a lot of things a lot. Um, so it doesn't bother me, but I do understand how it can bother some people. I think it makes for a better rewatch if you have watched it without knowing the twist. Like, I was going to say, it's for you, like, if you've known the twist most of your life and you just have never watched it and now you're watching it for the first time, I can see how that would be kind of a turnoff. See, the interesting it's thing... It's not a huge turnoff either. I don't want to, like, overblow it. I didn't see this movie for the first time until my early 20s, college, and I obviously knew the twist at that point. Like, it's growing up when we did, it's impossible to not know the twist of The Sixth Sense. Like I said, it's, like, yep. maybe the most famous film twist of all time. So the first time I saw it... I I knew, you know, what I was getting into, and it did sort of become that game, and I still really liked it the first time. I think that, I think I might have had, like, a little bit of, like, hindsight bias, being like, oh, everybody says this movie is great, so that kind of, like, influenced me to think it was, it was great. I think on this rewatch, I liked it a little bit less, actually, but still enjoyed it overall. But I think that that is because, like we mentioned, like, there's some really excellent character moments and some really awesome acting. Haley Joel Osment, very good actor for a child, for a child actor. Like he was 11 in that. Doesn't he look younger to me? He looks way younger than 11. I mean, that's pretty common 
to have child actors be a little bit older. I think it was the same for Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. I think he was 11 when they shot that, and he's playing an eight-year-old. And I think that it's actually it's the same for Haley Joel Osment. I think Cole is supposed to be eight. I'm just saying he like he looks young. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that act eleven, I feel like looks really young. Like I was kind of surprised when I found out he was eleven when he when he uh, filmed that. But I think he's oh my god! I think he kills it. He's so cute and sad too. That's one of the things that I think is very effective in this movie is like the weight that little boy bears. Like yeah. with, with he's like his- trying to take care of his mom, like not let her know, but also take care of shit so she doesn't feel upset. You know what I mean? And like yeah, oh my. Oh my god, the thing where she's like, "How was your like? What did you do today?" And he lies about his day, you know. And he's like, "Oh, they all picked me up, and I I got picked for kickball." That shit makes me want to cry. Oh my god, that little kid is heartbreaking. And like the the scene where they're having dinner later, and she asks him like why he keeps taking her mother's bumblebee pendant, and you know he says he doesn't, and she gets so mad at him, and then he like has a, a, an experience with a ghost and like going to ask her like if you're not very mad can I sleep in your bed tonight it's like that shit is is like heart-wrenching because you know you know what he's dealing with but he's trying to not worry his mom more than necessary you know as a character no. study I think it's the highlight of the film well, yeah, and I think uh, one of the the better scenes between Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment, especially one of the better written scenes, is early on when he's talking about the uh, pictures that he was drawing in school. Oh, yeah, and you know how he drew a picture of someone with like a screwdriver in their head and had to go to the office. Now he only draws rainbows because no one sends you to the meeting. office for rainbows. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so indicative of, you know, his experience during the rest of the movie. Yeah. Especially with Tony Collette, because, you know, you see him getting upset about the ghosts and figures he sees, but he doesn't want to upset his mother. You know, I think, I think that's really well done. And that in the absence of a father figure, he has like Bruce Willis to to like talk to and eventually be honest with once he realizes that like Bruce Willis really cares and like that sort of relief that he has to not have to like bear that burden completely on his own. Uh, yeah, I think I think his whole character arc is is definitely like it carries the weight of this movie. Well, and I remember, because I, I watched this when I was younger, right? And I remember watching it and thinking that, what's Lynn? Uh, Tony's name is Lynn in the movie. Um, I used to think that she was, like, mean. You know what I mean? Because she, like, gets mad and she gets frustrated and she gets upset. And I remember as a really little kid being like, oh, she's so mean to him. Because, I, like, I, you know, I knew what he was going through. I was like, oh, my God, he's going through all this shit. Like, just help him. But as an adult, she's such a good mom. Like, she yeah. is so, like mad and she tells him to like leave but it's i mean think of if you were in her shoes you know what i mean like she stays calm and she's i think she is awesome and like so sweet to little boy my only question is why do they have a fucking puppy mom's working like two jobs he's got like all these mental issues like when did you go get a puppy I'm I'm assuming probably after dad left to, to like try to, you know, find something to fill the void. But like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, the dog is just there, but unimportant to the story. It's a cute dog, like though. 
super, super, super cute puppy. I just, it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, she's a single mom who like can hardly even sleep or like make enough money. And it's a little kid who's having like psychiatric issues. Like you wouldn't go get a puppy. I was like, you just wouldn't. I think, I think it's not the rational thing to do, but I think a lot of people do it. Yeah, probably. Like I, I've definitely had several friends who have gotten pets at very inopportune times. Like, uh, You're right. it's, it's, it, it while I, I a, fully agree, it's a, it's a dumb decision. Like as a it is something people would do. Yeah. As a band aid, Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I agree. It's kind of, it's like one of those right. weird little touches in the movie. That's just kind of like, eh, I don't know if that works as well for me. Another one of those is when, uh, Tony Collette is like looking at all the the pictures in the hall and she notices that there's all like the identical <laughs> lens flare next to like over Haley Joel Osment's shoulder and all of them cuz oh there's ghosts it's like like you're this woman's mother <laughs> presumably she's the one who framed those photos and hung them up like, how you, did you, you never <laughs> how did you never notice those before that it's in literally all of these pictures of your son dude okay that that highlights one of the big problems i had with the film go off actually King. i will thank you the utility of so many sequences, jump scares, and scenes is just to re- is solely to reiterate that the kid sees ghosts. A lot of the jump scares, it's just another reminder. It's like, oh, he sees ghosts, like, and that's that's all it really gives me. Like, I, and I I didn't glean so much more from any one of those scenes. They all just kind of add well, together to a picture they, that I already did. I they already work see. for you as scenes of tension, no. scare scenes. Interesting, because I think in some cases, some of the more effective sequences with that stuff, it works in spite of just being he sees ghosts. For example, uh, the vomiting girl. I think it may yeah. be the, the, the vomiting girl actually serves more narrative purpose. Like the vomiting girl is 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 good. Well, um, it's funny you say that because I disagree. I think the 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 scene where he sees her is incredibly effective, and it's kind of a cool turning point of you know showing that he can help these. Uh, ghosts right that's the, that's the mechanism i'm saying like, the, like that's why that however purpose. the the seeking of release feels really forced like immediately afterwards the next scene they go to the funeral and oh hey here's this vhs tape <laughs> of this camera very the conveniently where the the mother clearly poisons this girl's food in front of the know, camera bottle into the room and like just put a <laughs> Weird to me. I'm like, wouldn't you do that outside of the room? Right. I said the same thing right. when Ben and I were rewatching this. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. And I think that that's a really good point because I very much like the concept of I see ghosts. How can I try to like turn this into something good? Well, I can try to help them find peace. I think that that's a great idea. I think that the sure quantum leap the, the execution is pretty lacking because like that whole thing is just like way too convenient. Yeah, yeah. it, it kind of fails to follow through. I think having the concept there is enough, but I I, I do want to I think there's back way on to do that yeah. on your point a little bit, Cleve, because one of the other scenes I think works super well is the the birthday party scene. Where oh, there's the the kids that force. Hang on, Hannah says she had something before we do that. 
Yeah, just because I want to talk about that one too, but I just want to bounce off uh, really quick what Cleveland was saying about the jump scare thing. I think the biggest issue with that is when you are re-watching it, because when you're watching it, yeah, the jump scare is okay, he's afraid of ghosts, he sees ghosts all the time, they're always scary. Okay, I get it, but then we re-watch it and we know that Bruce Willis is a ghost, why isn't Bruce Willis scary? Why isn't the kid afraid of Bruce Willis like he is of all the other ghosts that he sees? Right, because all the other ghosts <laughs> indicate in some way how they were killed except for Bruce Willis. Well, he does later on with the the shirt. Yeah, he's and the... he's gut shot, and like most of the time when he's with Haley Joel Osment, he's wearing a coat. Like I can I can forgive that enough that like the bullet wound is is hidden under his his clothes. I can get down with that. I think that, uh, and I think. So that, you don't think Haley knew that he was a ghost? Is what you're saying? You think that he didn't know? Yeah. When he. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he. I think he knew right away. Okay. I think cause, but I mean, think about it. It's like it's he always knows way before he sees them. It gets cold. He can tell. Like it, you know what I mean? Like it's not just strictly looking at them. Like it's right. you know change. It's well, I, he does. He does specify that the temperature change stuff happens when they're upset. When the ghosts get upset. Oh, I must have missed that. And remember, at the end, when Bruce Willis realizes that he's a ghost, we do see the temperature in his house drop dramatically because we see his wife sleeping on the couch, and you can I see her like, breath. So, like so much fucking yeah. So I think that's why I think that's an it's an interesting idea. I'm kind of on board with it. The only thing is, like when he tells Bruce Willis that he sees dead people, that he sees ghosts, and, like, he's... If he knew Bruce Willis was a ghost, why wouldn't he just tell him? Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess. I don't know. I just... Where did... When, I guess, do you... When do you think that the kid realizes he's a ghost? I don't think... You know, he, I don't think he ever does. I don't think Haley Joel Osment ever knows. I like well, that there's ambiguity. I think, in fairness, the... Yeah, there yeah. is a little sloppiness to... M. Knight's handling of the ambiguity. Sure, yes. <laughs> uh, when when later, you know, they show the flashback to when Bruce Willis is shot, you know, there's just this tiny, tiny hole uh, where the bullet went through with no blood no on the blood, front yeah. of yeah. him. and There's only blood on the back, and he dies immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like... They, I, I think he did that because he wanted to emphasize that this couldn't be seen easily, right? Uh, from the front. Oh, okay. But at the yeah. same time, it it's sort of that ambiguity it's that's kind of sloppy. It, it's a little inconsistent, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Cole ever knew that Malcolm was a ghost because, well, like, see, the reason that I do is because he, the way that he acts in the beginning, because he'll say, um, like, what does he tell him? Like, he asks if he can. Hannah, I'm with you on that. There's a scene where <laughs> like they some- talk about resolution. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, fuck, there's something I'm trying to remember. But, like, you can tell because Cole asks, he's like, you're, you're going to keep coming back, aren't you? And Bruce Willis is like, well, are you okay with that? And Cole doesn't respond. He looks down. He looks kind of disappointed. I just, I I think that he knows he was a ghost. Yeah, and, and when they talk about resolution and how the ghosts disappear afterwards, and Bruce Willis then mentions he's going to go talk to his wife about that matter, and Haley Joel Osment asks him, are you going to come back then? I was sitting there yeah. thinking, as a first-time watcher... Uh, who isn't familiar with the spoiler, how could you not get the spoiler there? Now, I I can't say, like, whether I would have myself or not, but I I just, I feel like you would. Like, you know, I, I don't want to say for sure, but, like, that's such a clear and present tell. I think it's one of those things that's more obvious when you're looking for it. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's hard for me to say, for what sure. What are you saying, Hannah? What are you, 
stuff like I'm, I'm just saying that the uh, Cole's always hinting at it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like he's hinting at it. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. they don't know that they're dead. Oh, they think that they're normal people. Oh, they only see what they want to see. And then Bruce Willis like remembers all those things. It's like he finally realized what Cole was trying to tell him the whole time. I agree. Do you think the well that that still leaves my my problem with like why didn't Cole just tell him? And I maybe have a solution to it. Do you Plot. think? Well, n- more than that, <laughs> that would be the lazy way to look at it. And maybe this is reading more into it than was intended. But do you think he didn't tell Bruce Willis that he's a ghost because he needed Bruce Willis to help him first? That could be it. Um, and that he knew that if he told Bruce Willis that he was a ghost, then Bruce Willis would disappear. And so he kind of let him believe he was still alive because he knew he acknowledged that he needed Bruce Willis's help before he could kind of like release him or whatever. I think so. I think that it started more innocently. Um, I guess like in my the way that I watch it, I feel like Cole was just kind of uh, like standoffish at first. Right. Because he doesn't like these ghosts. So Bruce Willis comes up. Hey, Cole. Hey, Cole. Like he's talking to him and Cole's just like kind of like responding, responding. And then Bruce Willis like keeps coming to find him. So I feel like Cole eventually is like, what is this ghost doing? He's so nice to me. And then he just kind of like lets it go to see where it goes. And then he just kind of doesn't know what to do. I can see that. I think both are are, uh, reasonable. There's reasonable arguments. And once again, I don't know how much of that is intentional ambiguity or just Shyamalan sloppiness. I think when this film came out, it was probably part of the reason why he got so popular, because it's easy to read those things. It's like, oh, that's actually really thought provoking, you know? And then like, as his career goes on, you start to see like, Ooh, how much of that was just him getting lucky. Right. <laughs> on the subject of ghosts. Cause I, I'm kind of in Ben's camp that I think that like the, the way they use ghosts is kind of effective. Cause I think that there's a surprising amount of restraint we don't even have our first encounter with a ghost until like an hour into the movie, like over halfway through. Yeah, and a lot of times they're not visible. I think one of my favorite scenes, as I was uh, mentioning earlier, the was party. the birthday party yeah. scene where the kids throw him into the attic uh, room and all you hear are the sounds. Yeah. And I think, you know, your mind fills in the gaps so much that that scene becomes really effective. And even though it is just, oh, he sees ghosts, spooky ghosts, spooky ghosts, like, in execution, it works really well. And uh, that's why I think it elevates beyond just, oh, hey, he sees ghosts, that's what the scene is, mm. you know? Yeah, because, you know, like, that's that's part of the, the, the twist, too, you know, is that despite the fact that the ghosts are scary and that they're angry, they can't hurt you. So it's like, how do you make how do you make something like that threatening is keep that ambiguous, you know, have them keep showing up. Another one that I think is really effective is when Cole is walking into his room and the the other little boy walks out and says, hey, let me show you where my dad keeps his gun and then turns around and like the back of his head is just like gone. I think that is a very effective like scare moment. I liked that he was wearing bell bottoms. (laughs) <laughs> i like that too i noticed that too it's fine he's in the 60s like but do you know what my problem is with the okay so one they can't really hurt you sure right but cole does get scratches. his clothes and bruce willis smashes the window when he sees his wife 
uh, flirting with that loser. Okay, that's yeah. true. No, and, and no, he gets that scratches is on point. his arms too. Yeah, after right. the mom is like, you know, like gets. Stop! Like, how much can they actually hurt them? My other problem with the birthday scene, I think it's the the scariest scene in the movie. I remember uh, thinking about it all the time when I was younger. It really freaked me out. But you know, at the end of the movie, the conclusion, you know, the solution is, oh, just help them and you'll be fine. Right. And it's like, oh, everything is happy now. Well, what about that fucking ghost in the closet? I don't think that he would have helped. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that some of them are still going to be kind of like horrifying. And yeah, I think that that that. So the resolution is kind of like, meh. How can you help some of them? <laughs> it's kind of dark in that sense because you're you're right. Uh, I think it's just to make the kid feel better, but he's still got an incredibly troubled past ahead of him. Well, of, right. yeah, of course, it's, it's not like you can help the hanged people in the school. Or... Yeah, but at the same time, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because, like, him seeing ghosts is obviously just like a very ham-fisted metaphor for like coping with trauma mm-hmm. like he's obviously exhibiting like ptsd symptoms and like that's what a psychiatrist does like a good therapist does is like they can't erase your past trauma but they can help you cope with it yeah. it's, so it's, it's very like, campbellian like it's the whole like modern myth thing like with bruce willis being like the mentor figure and he places the sword in his hand but he has to wield it you know that and sort that's of thing. and yeah. that's why i really like my this is a good I'll just go ahead and get into my personal favorite scene in the movie, which is at the very end when Cole tells his mom that he can see ghosts when they're in the traffic jam. And like, he tells her that, yeah, somebody up ahead got hurt. She's standing right outside the window. You know, they used to scare me sometimes. They used to scare me too, but you know, sometimes they're not so bad. And then that like absolutely heart wrenching moment when he like proves it to her by telling her like that her mom says that she's proud of her. That scene, despite like the the goofy, clumsy other things in the rest of the movie, I think that scene is quite touching. No, like, I that, do too. That like, moment. I, when I talk about how much I love The Sixth Sense, it pretty much revolves around how much I love Haley Joel Osment's performance. I just think that that little kid fucking kills it. And I love Tony Collette, and I think she fucking kills it too. I think you're right. And to bring up a positive after my thoughts on how the horror is addressed, I love all of the positive elements of this film. I think that more horror could use more positivity like what's in this film. And it does make the darker moments darker by contrast. I think that that's quite well handled. Um, And yeah, I I liked the, the, the brighter moments in the film. I have a prompt for you guys. Okay, Okay, so Sixth Sense is maybe the primo example of a PG-13 rated horror movie in that, you know, it is very mainstream friendly, but it doesn't cut the horror in any way. Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually surprising. I guess you're right. It is PG-13. He's got the guy with his head blown off. Yeah, they did did get away with showing a child with the back of his skull blown out. Like, that's that's a lot for PG-13. Yeah, damn. Um, No, I I agree. I think you're you're right. Like, in, in a more 
restrained horror movie where like the violence is not the primary ingredient of the horror i think that that's where pg-13 excels i think if you're trying to make like a like a really violent horror movie then you make it pg-13 like you're you're gonna missing the point yeah you're kind of missing the point but here no i i think i i I get where you're you're coming from and i largely agree i think as a like pg-13 horror film it's it's probably is a pretty staple standard example and i think beyond that i think it's a great entry point for younger people getting into horror yes especially if they don't know the twist because it is it is scary yeah especially you know uh i know as a kid it scared the hell out of me but i don't think it's too excessive or gory for younger audiences either and i think it has a a ultimately uplifting message that right. like is good for younger audiences like it kind of it kind of does have a happy ending no, you know I think it is. haley uh, i keep calling him haley but you know cole the yeah. kid like the, his whole existence is good for kids to see. You know what I mean? Like, look at this kid who's getting bullied all the time, but he's a good kid and he's strong. And those kids suck ass. Who are? You know, I, it's. I, I agree. I think it's it's pretty kid friendly. But to be fair, I I feel like I don't know what's kid friendly and what's not. I showed some of my <laughs> students stuff that I don't think was appropriate after watching their reactions. Nice. I was like, I thought this. Yeah, it's it's hard to gauge. I think it kind of depends on, like, how your parents raised you. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I know my mom started showing me, like, R-rated stuff, like, relatively early. Not, like, super early, you know, but... Like I saw, I saw Pulp Fiction for the first time when I was like ten. Whoa! Yeah, that's not how I. (laughs) You know, maybe not that. Maybe more like twelve. But you know, I saw Scary Movie one in theaters. I must have been like seven or eight. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I saw I saw those movies very young too, and like the first couple particularly are like very very raunchy. Um, but I definitely didn't see them in theaters. I definitely saw those on like DVD or VHS. Or whatever. Yeah, see, just, I'm, um. it's funny because like I'm I'm in the exact opposite point. What's the the Harrison Ford movie where the terrorists hijack the plane? Uh, Air, Force. Uh, Air Force Air Force One. One. Yeah. yeah, I I I got like too bothered by the the tension in that movie in like seventh or eighth grade and stopped watching it. Like I I've come a long too way. Too shook by it. Like, like uh, you know, like um, you got off that plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out there was a way out. Um. Uh. Yeah. Um. Uh, and we've all ended up in kind of the same place. So I, I think that's I think that's interesting. You know, that is super interesting. Now that you bring that up, I am um, when I was in kindergarten, my favorite movie was It. Right, the, the Tim Curry. The Tim Curry. Yeah, I was a little coward. Right, I did. No, I was I was five, and that was my favorite movie. I also really like Child's Play, but I had multiple friends whose parents banned them from hanging out with me because I would I would just tell them what I saw. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's a clown and the clown comes out of the drain at a part and then he comes out of the sewer at a different part, blah, blah, blah. And I would horrify <laughs> our children that their parents would ban them from awesome. seeing me. Awesome. See, when I was little, like, there were certain movies that my mom wouldn't let me see yet because I was way too young, but I would, like, I was so fascinated by the idea of them that I made her, like, recount the plots for me. Like, I very, I very vividly, like, as a, as, like, a five or six-year-old remember, like, begging my mom to tell me the plot of Alien and Silence of the Lambs. That's awesome. (laughs) And, And, like, she did, and she did so in such a way that it didn't like traumatize my young mind but like kept me intrigued enough that i couldn't wait to see those movies and then when i finally did like 
those are two of my favorite movies of all time is Alien and Silence of the Lambs. You know, you got to think like that. That must have like have had a pretty profound effect on you, like considering like how much you're into horror writing. Oh, yeah. Like Like, entirely. I've been obsessed with horror and monsters and stuff since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why we do this fucking podcast, you know? No doubt. I'm trying to think about other uh, stuff I wanted to talk about in The Sixth Sense. I have one. Okay, yeah, like. go for it. Uh, it. Unfortunately, it is another thing that uh, it's it's a little bit of a downer. I couldn't help myself, and I just I found myself comparing this film to another movie that is also widely recognized and appreciated and loved, and that's The Shining, because Halo Joe Osmond essentially has The Shining. Kind of, yeah. Like, same principle, can see ghosts, you know, like, and largely... It's a little less complicated than The Shining, but yeah. It's a lot less complicated than The Shining. Um, And by complicated, uh, also just, just, it's a lot more approachable. It's a lot more... Accessible. Accessible. And that made it kind of difficult, because, like, my first viewing of The Shining, for me, that, that film held up uh as well as all the expectations as as much as all the 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 hype was real for the shining for me like when i when i saw it for the first time no i did have the benefit of seeing it for the first time in a theater which was super cool yeah uh like that what's the way to do it and and i wonder if seeing the sixth sense probably that probably would have like heightened my experience as well but oh boy it's unfair to any film to compare it to kubrick but God damn. I was going to say, I, yeah, The Sixth Sense is, it's, I mean, I love it, but it's never going to be as good as The Shining. Uh, like, it, it's, it, it is a, it's an unfair comparison, but uh, I think there's, there's a lot of credence to it just because it's such a similar story. You have, uh, like, uh, Bruce Willis, like, plays the same, like, Scatman Crothers role. Uh, Except Scatman Crothers isn't a ghost. Isn't a ghost. At least not until it, Doctor not, Sleep. It, not until Doctor Sleep. I think I enjoyed Doctor Sleep even, like, more than, like, my viewing of, of the uh, the Sixth Sense, uh, interesting enough. There is another movie that I uh, kept making comparisons to, uh, a little film that we have covered on the podcast about two years ago, Just Me and Ben. Ben, do you remember when we talked about Stir of Echoes? I was thinking the same thing. Uh, they're very similar <laughs> They movies. came out the same year. Yes, very close to each other in release date yeah and i think in terms of tone they're very similar have you seen stir of echoes hannah with kevin bacon (laughs) i have not and i love kevin bacon you should check it out it's pretty good uh it's like the sixth sense if the sixth sense was like a little bit more hardcore horror kevin bacon essentially starts like seeing ghosts like Haley joel osment and starts like trying to unravel the mystery of like who murdered this girl who he keeps like having visions of it's pretty good (laughs) yeah it's a solid movie i can definitely see the comparisons though Honestly, I think Stir of Echoes might be slightly a better. Bit better. <laughs> um, I might agree with you. It's not as widely remember. remembered in the cultural lexicon as The Sixth Sense. But oh, yeah, because well, yeah, Kevin Bacon doesn't turn out to be a ghost at the end. <laughs> so, you know. No twists. Yeah, no, exactly. No twists. Just goes to show Shyamalan was right. You gotta have twists and turns. <laughs> I have one last comparison. Okay. Uh, another uh, starter film, low budget uh, horror movie that you know uh, is very understated, and that's It Follows. Uh, oh, interesting. The, the use of ghosts uh, and like the the spookies of just like turning like regular looking people uh, in the background into something horrifying. Uh, I like that comparison. Uh, I, I 
can see where you're coming from with that one. Because like, that was what was going it. through my head, like when we were talking about like how the the scares were effective or not. And for yeah. me, the reason why the scares in it follows are terrifying for me to even think about still is because of the the mystery and intrigue behind them like something is wrong with the 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 ghosts quote ghosts in it follows like there's they got like they cast like specifically very uh, off looking people you know quote fargo you know you just look kind of funny but also just like the the crux of the creature itself you're trying to understand it and the mystery itself keeps it intriguing whereas with these ghosts i i don't have that same sense of intrigue you know it's it's a jump scare and it it's spooky but it serves little more than that for me and it's i think it's a matter of that being enough or not and it both isn't isn't i think that's a really good point and i love it follows but you're right the the ghosts or you know is it a creature i don't really know how to yeah the 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 entity and that's why it's good Uh, (laughs) that's exactly why like or to ghosts or so, but no, you're you're. That's a really good point. Like you don't sit and think in the sixth sense about the ghosts. Like it, they're they're scary and they're creepy. Oh, that kid got his head blown off, and then they leave, and it's it's done. It is a lot more intriguing, and it follows. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And you do find yourself in a similar way, like kind of scanning the backgrounds. Like, are there right. any ghosts that I'm not noticing? Stuff like that. And it, to that, to the sixth sense's credit, I think it follows has uh, a lot to think in that respect as well because the the mechanics of it are similar uh that that you do find yourself scanning the background trying to figure out who and who isn't a ghost um i have a couple of more small things that i took notes of that are inconsequential to the film as a whole but uh that i thought were funny observations one this is mostly for ben and hannah uh but did y'all think that the teacher looks a little bit like uh scott walker the governor of Wisconsin? <laughs> oh he God. did i i think that may be one of the funniest scenes in the movie when he's just screaming stuttering stu- stanley <laughs> stuttering stanley at the teacher I could not stop looking at that guy i was just i just kept thinking scott walker it's fucking scott walker okay what you're super right. He does look like Scott Walker, but the stuttering Stanley thing, I wanted to bring that up. I'm a little bit confused about the stuttering Stanley thing, right? Because so Cole sees ghosts. How does he know that his teacher used to be called stuttering Stanley? Who's the ghost? Because, well, the the teacher keeps talking about how he went to school here. So presumably there's some ghost hanging around who, you know, the ghosts see what they want to see. Maybe the ghost of his teach of stuttering Stanley's teacher is there or the ghost of the one of his classmates. The or bullies something. is the most likely the, option. I the, think like one of the bullies themselves is still there going stuttering, stuttering Stanley, Stanley stuttering Stanley because, yeah. you know, they see what they want to see. So they would still see the teacher sure. as a child. I didn't think about that until you brought it up. But yeah, that that does make sense. I, yeah, I guess I was just thinking that he wasn't talking to the ghost really yet at this point but i mean if he was talking to bruce willis and i if i believe that he thinks knows bruce willis is a ghost then that kind of what if the and, teacher's and, a ghost well and we see too that the, <laughs> ooh. now that's a twist yeah. we we see too though that like the ghosts since they don't know they're dead are often like talking and repeating things like they talk to him whether he talks back you know that's true yep like when yep, he's yep. the first ghost we see, we actually see see is like the woman in his kitchen who, you know, tells him woman. like, 
who sees him as her abusive husband or whatever, who like starts yelling at him. So I'm assuming yep. it was just something uh, along those lines. The other uh, character that I think we absolutely would be remiss if we didn't at least mention is uh, Tommy Thomason, the acting kid, because he's one of my favorites. His great commercial <laughs> for the commercial. And, and how because he did that one commercial, he thinks of himself as like an actor. <laughs> like when he like when we first meet him, when uh, Haley Joel Osment pays him to pretend to be his friend, he's like, did you like the thing where I put my arm around you? Yeah, that's just good acting. I came up with that all on my own. Like, I love that kid. He's even though he's a bully, he's my favorite. And then how at the end he's, uh, you know, village idiot. Yeah, he's the village idiot in the play. I think that's a good example of like write-ins versus write what you know. Like, I'm sure that there was probably some like industry experience being written in there, like dealing with like shitty child actors. From Shyamalan, you know, like I think there's something there's something to that. Uh, Speaking of Shyamalan, uh, he famously makes cameos in all of his movies. Doctor, uh, doctor, and he's the doctor the in this one. And that scene is largely unremarkable, except for something that I considered to be genuinely sloppy filmmaking that was driving me absolutely crazy. Who put that fucking big like wire? child's toy on the table between him and Tony Collette because it's just obscuring the frame. I know it, exactly what you're talking about and I, I, I can't believe that I didn't... Tease, just, tease, come on man. Like it clearly, clearly it is to represent the many twists and turns turns that this wireframe of a story is taking us on it's obviously a metaphor you're right are we not all right. just little uh little wooden bobbles like I strung along uh, a, the, a wire tra- uh, for frame? m night Shyamalan to move along at his leisure mm-hmm. yeah you're no you're probably honestly though Come on. that that seems pretentious enough that that might actually be the reason why it's in- <laughs> and that it drove me fucking crazy because it's like yeah sure sometimes you put things up to dirty the frame a little bit, you know, just like add some busyness. But it's it's clutter. It, it's clutter. It straight up covers Shyamalan's mouth for most well, of. That it would be there. Like it just doesn't really make any sense. It's like okay, yeah, they're in the pediatric wing. There'd be some some toys lying around. But it's like, come on, this is a fucking film. Like the camera a little you're bit. Con- you're constructing the shot, even if it would be there in naturally in that sense. Like you made the choice to put it there for this shot, and it messes the shot. I co- I cannot even remember the content of the dialogue in that scene <laughs> because the whole time I was like, move the toy. Move the toy! Get it out of the way! That's funny. And the last last thing that I have on my list, and then we can, uh, if anybody else has anything, uh, I just did make a note that at the, the birthday party... Uh, one of the parents has never heard of Chuck E. Cheese, and I found that remarkably <laughs> unbelievable. Everyone like, knows Charles Entertainment the, Cheese. Who the fuck doesn't know what Chuck E. Cheese is? Like that. It's like what's Chuck E. Cheese? And it, like it'd be one thing if the, one of the kids maybe didn't know what Chuck E. Cheese was because their parents never brought them to it. It's one of the fucking parents. This is the nineties too. Like for fuck's sake. Yeah, like, that's a weird birthday party in general. Uh, when he's going up the stairs, they start playing like new Met- metal. Yeah, they're, they're playing like metal at this birthday party. <laughs> it's really weird. 
eighties metal, but still, you know, like like these are eight and nine year olds. Um uh that's all for me. Uh Hannah, did you have anything else that you made note of that you wanted to talk about? I don't think I did. No, yeah, we covered everything that I wrote down. Nice. My biggest thing my biggest thing is that I just I can't I think that their relationship, Bruce Willis and uh, what's his name? Malcolm and Anna. I think that their relationship is super cringy and ir- it irritates me. That's my least favorite Yeah, part. like, I, I I, agree. I think that that whole subplot, like, I know it's supposed to be part of the twist is like, oh, he thinks his marriage is falling apart because he focuses too much on work and doesn't pay enough attention to her. But actually, he's dead and she's grieving his death. Like, that's that's some of the hokier shit. Like when he goes to meet her at the restaurant for dinner and she's like giving him the, she it looks like she's giving him the cold shoulder because he was late, but actually it's just, he's dead. And she was just going there to remember him and be sad. Like <laughs> also the fucking like super dweeby dude who works at the store with her. Who's like hitting on her. I he did- almost seems like young as shit. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, he looked like like a hot twenty three, you know. Like, <laughs> hey man, you, you can't blame her for getting it, you know. I don't even way. think she was getting it. I think he, she's too sad. He's trying, you know. Uh, I did. I did think that was funny when uh, uh, Bruce Willis is like watching him out of the basement window, and he's like, "Keep walking, cheese dick." <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty. Awesome. That was a pretty good insult. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down. I also wrote down cheese dick. <laughs> awesome. That's a good one. All right. Uh, do you guys have anything or is it time to rate? I think it's time to rate. All right, Hannah. Well, this was your curation and guests go first around here. So right. why don't you tell us what would you rate the sixth sense out of five? Half stars are fine. Out of five? Yeah. Go with your gut. It's not like uh, there's no hard criteria. We keep uh, it pretty uh, fast I, and loose. I just talking about you guys made some good points that I I I, I don't want to give it you know a higher rating than it deserves just because of my own personal nostalgic connection. Oh, but it's your own personal score, right? All right, yeah. I'm I'm gonna give it a four. Okay. I'm also going to give it a four. I still think that despite some of the sloppier moments and the less than incredible dialogue and the few holes that knowing the twist knock into the plot, I think that there's still a lot of uh, really great things in this, some really strong performances, some really great character moments, and some genuinely touching scenes, uh, and mixed in with like some some good horror for what it is. Uh, so yeah, four out of five for me as well. Yeah, for the longest time, I said Unbreakable was M Night's best movie, and on rewatch of this, I think I'm gonna say Six Sense is his best movie. I think. So I too. think uh, you know this really emphasizes the best aspects of M Night, whether it's the twists or the really effective set pieces or the good job being able to work with actors uh the the performances from tony collette Haley joel osman and bruce willis are all excellent yeah don't I forget this... about donnie Wahlberg. oh donnie Wahlberg. yeah <laughs> who, donnie <laughs> who can forget uh i need to go to Wahlberg's Wahlbergers after this uh 
Yeah, uh, I think overall it's a solid movie, and I think it's one of the better PG-13 horror movies out there. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. That's my score. How dare you steal it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's also a three point five uh, from me. But uh, I did I did want to touch on uh, instead of uh, reiterating what I've already said, I did want to touch on your point about uh, what uh, your favorite Shyamalan film is. Mine is still unbreakable. I think I got I got more out of rewatching it even oh, after Glass. Um, uh, Interesting. Ooh, see, that's the things I haven't <laughs> I haven't watched Unbreakable since I've seen Glass. And you want to talk about perspectives that would taint a film, that is one. Uh, hey, sometimes you can ignore the sequels of films. Sometimes, like, true. films that stand well on their own, like, you can choose to ignore the things yeah. that have come after. There's did, plenty of shit you have to do that for. I, I, I do like the comic subversion stuff in, Un- uh, in Unbreakable, but goddamn, I hate the comic book subversion stuff in Glass. Fuck. <laughs> now, now I don't. Oh, okay, now the, now the waters have been incredibly muddied, but... Uh, so I don't have an answer for for you listeners out there. I'm gonna have to think about what my favorite Shyamalan movie is, but I don't know. I don't know if it's ever gonna be brought up again. But whatever, you just just deal with the fact that uh, you'll you'll never know. Well, we'll leave you to do that soul searching on your own time. What a twist! It's the happening. Yeah. Actually. Well, that's actually the correct answer. <laughs> um, well. That will give The Sixth Sense an average rating of 3.8 out of 5 pods. And uh, speaking of Sixth Sense, that's about how much money I've got in my pocket right now, and I'm trying to get paid. Who's our sponsor for this week, Cleveland? Uh, This episode is brought to you by Sally Sandberg's Pine Sol Solutions. You tired of trying to poison your kids and uh, uh, not and, and getting caught on camera? Well, worry no longer with Sally. Whatever I said, all you got to do is it, it. Well, it comes in a tiny bottle, so you don't have to worry about pulling out an entire bottle of Pine Sol uh, behind someone's back when you could have just a- emptied it into the bowl out of the room. Uh, also, how how did she not see a VHS camera? Those are very big. Uh, and, uh, that's, well, that's it from our sponsor. Well, no, it's not it. I'm actually seeing here <laughs> on the copy that, uh, Sally Soluble's Pine Sol Solutions, uh, also, uh, I'm seeing that it's made by vampires, so it doesn't show up on cameras. So even if your pesky daughter has set up a camera in her room to record her puppet show, you can poison her soup and no one will be any of the wiser because it doesn't show up on camera because it's made by vampires. Damn, the more you know. (laughs) All right, well, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Next week, it's cycling back around to Cleveland's choice, and your your pick (laughs) is, I think, our first video game adaptation that we've talked about on the show. Is it? I think it is. So I can't think of anything else. Is it? I mean, there's not many. There's not many. There's especially not many good ones. There are certainly films that we've covered that have been adapted into games, but that doesn't count. But uh, in in reverse, Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, the I think 2006, right around then. Silent Silent Hill film. Yeah, we're we're doing we're doing Silent Hill Uh, (laughs) uh, as of recording. Dead by Daylight put out a Silent Hill. 
uh, themed uh, DLC, and that's the closest we're going to get to a silent, a good Silent Hill game anytime soon. So I figured it was an opportune time to revisit that movie that I have thoughts about. Well, yeah, I'm, I also have thoughts about it. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so we'll unpack those thoughts next Stay week. tuned to find out if they're good or bad. Yeah, if that sounds like a fun thing to you, then check back Ben's next never week. seen it before, I haven't so seen it. that's going to be fun. I love the games, though, so we'll... All I'll it's say, really an excuse to talk ugh. about the games. Yeah. All I'll uh, say is that we could be watching Alone in the Dark, and I'm just glad that, that, <laughs> we're, not, that we're not doing that. Uh, but anyway, tune back next week for that. Until then, if you like the show, share us with your friends, with your family. Spread the good spooky word and hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod or at letterbox.com slash pod people pod for a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes you can follow me on twitter at deep state ozzy if that's your jam i'm on twitter at mr sheets and i'm occasionally tweeting for light arc studio as we further progress on it stares back our spooky strategy game and early access come check us out we're on steam you can also see my work on art station if you search cleveland Mosier, and uh, you can look at it and decide if you like it or not yourself I, I won't tell you if it's good that's up to you and if you do think it's good though uh, shoot me a message, and uh, I, I do commissions. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do some, some arts for you if, if you'd like. Yeah. Not required, but, you know. If you want a battle tanker waifu, I, I'll do it. it to Cleveland. But I, I'll, I'll, charge, I'll charge you what that should cost. But uh, <laughs> Cleveland does charge more for drawing your waifu. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I won't do it, but I will definitely charge more. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not above it, but... <laughs> It's it's got to be it's got to be for a price that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Hannah, is there anything you'd like to plug anywhere that people can find you on social media or whatever? No, I don't plug. I'll say hi to any of my students if they hear this, though. <laughs> I don't well, think they will. Maybe uh, if they will is entirely <laughs> up to you. But uh, <laughs> the listener, be warned. I guess this isn't necessarily a show for children. Uh, Hannah, did you say what grade you teach? Ninth and tenth. Well, next year I'll be teaching tenth and eleventh. Oh, well, oh okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. You can shout it out. Yeah, they're, shout pro- they're probably fine. Yeah. I know. Yeah. They know I swear, too. I, I fuck up in class all the time, so they know. Yeah, tell them you're on a podcast about scary movies, and then they can listen to it and then come back to class and mock us. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they can uh, they can uh, start calling you a stuttering Stanley and chant that at you. <laughs> Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us again on this episode. Uh, I hope it's not going to be two years until you come back. Uh, No, anytime. Mutual, like (laughs) literally anytime you want to come on the show, let us know and it can be arranged. All right. Uh, Elliot. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And until next time, find yourself a ghost to solve ghost crimes with. Bye-bye.